0: Last week, we started a new series, and uh, thank you again to Donna, who stepped in. Donna was supposed to preach the fourth week of that series, and um, I had a, had a loss in my family last week, and I just absolutely could not preach, and so I'm so grateful that Donna was able to step in, and I just really appreciate her for that, and uh, all of your grace on that also. Um, but we are preaching, our new series is called Burning Bright, and this series is about who we are as a church and who, who we want to be. Um, Church really is at a crossroads, and I don't want to make it sound like this is a super unusual crossroads, right? Like, we regularly come to places in the road where you can turn off, right? If you drive down a road, that doesn't happen. That's not a rare thing where a road meets another road, but we are at one, and we're in a fairly unique position. Unlike many churches, we have emerged from COVID pretty intact. Things are relatively stable right now. We have enough money to keep going. We have volunteers who are taking care of our kids' ministry and playing the piano and making our coffee. But we also are looking down the road. We're thinking about the future. And we want to be confident about what we see. We can sometimes be concerned about what we see, and, and it's good to be mindful, but we want to be conscious. We ask ourselves, What will this church look like five years from now? Ten? Some of you have children who don't attend church anymore. Some of you have children who have decided to go somewhere else. Some of you have children who are not old enough to decide for themselves yet, but you're thinking about it, and you're concerned about how that decision is going to go. And we want to be aware of all of this. Let me tell you a little bit, maybe it's easier, if we think about what we don't want to see as we look into the future. And I bet you'll be on board with every single one of these. We don't want to see a church that's empty. We also don't want to see a church that's composed entirely of gray hair. Now, hear me on this, gray hair is good. We want gray hair, we just don't want only gray hair. Reasonable? Fair? We don't want a church where our young people feel compelled to leave this body in order to find a spouse because there's no one else their age or because the pool of potentials is so small that it feels like dating your cousin. (laughs) We don't want a church where no one visits. We don't want a church where no one talks to a new person who comes to check us out. We don't want a church where the worship time Sounds like robots who are here out of obligation and sung without any enthusiasm or joy. We don't want a church where we are constantly begging for money, constantly worried about whether we'll make budget, constantly worried about whether enough people will show up to actually be able to hold the AGM. We don't want a church full of people who are no kinder, happier, or fulfilled than the average person pulled from the sidewalk. We don't want a church where people show up hungry to hear the word and leave just as hungry as when they came in. We don't want a church where people leave just the same, just as lost, just as empty as they came. We don't want a church that feels like something else on the to-do list. We don't want a church where there's nothing to do except show up if you feel like it, that runs itself and isn't concerned about sharing that load. We don't want a church where people feel alone, even with others around. We don't want a church where people don't want to bring people. And I want to be clear, I don't believe that that is where we are. I really, really don't. But can we agree that we don't want to go there? Are you on board? Do any of those things throw up red flags for you? I think we're probably all on page with that. Now, how about the reverse? Let's talk about that. How about not just what we don't want to see? What if we just flipped all of those things on their head and talked about all the things that we do want to see? We want a church that's full. We want a church with every kind of person, from every background and demographic and ethnicity. We want a church where families can grow and flourish, where generations come together at the foot of the cross to worship and love and to be restored. We want a church where people come in off the street and they find something that they hardly even knew they were looking for, and yet there it is. We want a church where we belong, where we feel loved, where when a new person comes in, they get wrapped up in the arms of this church, and by extension, the arms of Jesus, and they feel safe to fall at his feet. We want a church where our singing time is filled with joy and passion, where we meet God and experience him in a way that we could never do in our private times of worship at home or in the car. We want a church overflowing with generosity where needs can be met and love can be shown because we have the resources and ability to meet those needs. We want a church filled with people who are different, who are the light of the world, who are salt, who radiate kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and above all, love. We want a church where we hear the word of God presented truthfully and fully, but also applicable for today, applicable for today where our hearts burn and our lives can't help but be different because of the truth that God has given us. We want a church that needs us, that is making such a difference that we can't help but want to be a part of it, where we can find a role and express the gifts that God has given us and be the people that God has made us to be in service to and sharing with one another. We want a church that we are excited to come to, a church that makes us think twice about going on vacation or staying over at the cottage on Saturday night because we just don't want to miss what God is going to do next. I'm not saying never go on vacation or stay at the cottage. I'm saying think twice. We want a church where we can belong and where we can enthusiastically bring the people that we know and be confident that they're going to be loved and find God. Let's go. How does that sound? That. That's what this series is about. Let's talk and dream and be part of what God is doing. Let's make Elam Chapel a light on a stand, a city on a hill, a beacon calling Winnipeg and the world to Jesus. Donna introduced us last week to our theme verse for this series, and let's remind ourselves of what it says. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I just love this imagery, the image of a lighthouse, of a beacon, calling out and inviting in, providing hope and warmth and welcome. This is who God calls us to be. So everything that we want to be, everything that we want to be a part of, we can sum it down into three ideas. We have, there are three things that we want, that we all want, that we all need. Three things. We need somewhere to belong. We need someone to become. And we need something to do. Our church has characterized these goals, this framework in our mission statement. And we've summed it down even further. Embrace, equip, and engage. Someone to belong, someone to become, and something to do. Today we're going to talk a bit about how we can be a place of radical love. How we can be a church where people can come and belong. And in short, we are going to talk about how we can embrace. For me, there's such a natural link between Jesus' statement about our being a light on the hill to the importance of loving one another. Like that if we are going to be that beacon, this is what that beacon is. And Jesus has so much to say about loving each other. In John chapter 15 and verse 12, Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And in John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And isn't this what we all want? To love and to be loved? This is the great call of the Bible, the great offer of God, the promise of eternity, and really the thing that gets us all here on a moderately chilly winter morning, right? Isn't this what gets us here? That we read in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And those words that we saw on the screen earlier in Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for you and I to get our acts together before he loved us. God loved us first. And showed that most explicitly through Jesus. So now we can love him in return. And we can love the people around us in response. We can be that love of God that the world so desperately needs. So, how? How do we do that? Well, we have some ideas. We have some things that we're already doing that are good and that we're going to keep doing. But we also need to remember that this is a two-way street. Relationships have to come from both directions. We as a church are going to do all that we can to reach out. We're going to keep doing food banks and being welcoming and having welcome lunches, which there's one today. If you haven't been to one, if you're relatively new around here, come. We want to meet you. We're going to keep doing welcome lunches and membership classes and making friends and taking care of your kids so that you can feel welcome here. Because we believe that the love of God changes everything. Because we believe that coming to church and meeting God and getting around people who are becoming more like Jesus is going to absolutely rock your world. That we are all better because we follow Jesus and you can be too. But if you're not feeling like you're in a relationship with Elam Chapel, you can have a role to play too. And let's talk through some of the things that you can do to feel like you belong here better. What does it mean to belong here? Well, that's really going to be up to you. Making friends is one thing, but for my money, the best way to feel like you belong in church is to get involved. Be part of the mission. And as you do that, you will make friends along the way. Let me walk you through an idea, which I refer to as the circles of belonging. These are, and I mean, we could call them levels, but that kind of suggests that going further is better, and I don't want you to feel pressured than to doing something that you're not ready for. But the idea should give you a framework for understanding where you are and maybe for understanding where the people around you are on their journey. So the Circles of Belonging is, I think, three concentric circles, like, a, like an archery target, right? So the biggest circle is the crowd. And then inside that is a circle of the congregation. And at the center, there's, a crowd, there's a, the core. So the crowd, this biggest circle, these are people who poke their head in from time to time. We could characterize this group as people who say, this is somewhere that I like. It's somewhere I like to go. It doesn't rank a whole lot higher, or maybe not even any higher, than your favorite grocery store. It's just somewhere that you show up sometimes. These people are part of Elam Chapel's periphery. They're not out there, totally unreached, and they may even know people here, but they haven't made any sort of commitment, either to us or to themselves, about being part of the body. This is fine. These people don't feel like they particularly belong, but they can at least feel welcome. For some people, this is all that they can manage. And if nothing else, this is where we all have to start. But I would strongly encourage you, if you find yourself in this circle, to push further. The second ring is the congregation. These are people who have moved from this is somewhere that I like coming to something more like this is my place. They feel some loyalty. They show consistency. They feel like they belong. This is good. We want people to come consistently, to feel like they can belong here and to be part of us. If you're at this level, you are regularly enjoying the benefits here. And as a result, I would encourage anyone at this level to start thinking about giving. You're enjoying the heat and the air conditioning. Your kids may be part of the programs and you're benefiting from being here. So maybe you should be part of supporting it financially. I'm not saying that you must give 10% or even that you must give at all. Maybe, but maybe you should start thinking about it. Because if this characterizes you and you're not really giving, maybe. And if you can't, that's fine. We want you here. We don't charge admission and we never will. But this congregation stage is where we start thinking about taking some responsibility. The third ring is the core. The core. These are the people who don't just say, this is somewhere I like to come. They don't even say, this is my place. Their connection is deeper than that. They say something more like, these are my people. These are the ones who have decided that they not only own this place, but that they bear responsibility for making it be. These are the people who have gotten involved, who are giving, who are actively engaged in making a difference here and making sure that we can keep going in our mission. Elam Chapel cannot live without you. And there are a couple more terms that you'll hear around Elam that I'd like to explain in terms of belonging because understanding these will help, but they'll also give you avenues of involvement if you're looking for more. I'm not suggesting that these additional terms are graduations or promotions, just that they're opportunities if you want more. These terms are members, deacons, and elders. These are church words that don't necessarily come up a whole lot outside. Members are individuals who are committed here, who have decided that they carry responsibility for the maintenance and actualization of our mission. What this essentially boils down to is that being a member allows you to vote on the budget and vote on changes in direction for the church, such as hiring a pastor or changing our bylaws, and voting for and being eligible to become an elder. And that's about it. But think about governing our nation. As Canadians, if you were born here, you're a citizen, and that carries the privilege and the responsibility of voting. But if you weren't born here, becoming a citizen is a choice. And you make that choice with certain benefits in mind, but it also comes with the responsibility of paying attention to how the country is governed and voting for who will be your representatives in that government. Membership at Elam affords you the privilege and the responsibility of being part of the governance of this church. If membership is something that you're interested in pursuing, email the office. We're going to be doing a membership class in the near future. We'd love to have you. We would love to spread that. We're, we're open to you. We would love it. It's not a very long class, but it just covers the duties and goals of what a member are so that we can all be on the same page. I would encourage you to just to push forward that if that's something that you're interested in. On the other hand, where membership is primarily a responsibility for overseeing the management of the church, deacons are far more about operations. In fact, instead of the word deacon, we could probably say something more like lead volunteer. This is a person who has been given a leadership role in one of our ministries. These are people who have already been involved in an area, and they don't want to only show up and do the work. They also want to help direct that work. Deacons serve under the elders and the staff, helping to manage and make make happen the vision and direction of the church as it applies practically to whichever ministry they happen to be in. Becoming a deacon isn't something that just happens. You don't run for office or draw a lottery. But if this sort of ministry leadership is something that interests you, talk to your leaders in whatever ministry you're involved with. Ask to take some of the load off of them and what you can do to help. If this is something you're interested in, You can start by apprenticing from the people who are there now. Finally, elders oversee the management of the church more directly. If being a member makes you a citizen who can vote on the representatives in government, elders are the members of parliament who take that direct oversight role. Currently, we have six elders serving. You'll see them on Sunday mornings rotating as the ones doing the opening announcements. Some of them serve on our preaching team. Elders review and approve the budget and the direction of the church to present to the members, and they oversee the staff. The elders and pastors together set vision for the church. If eldership is a way that you're interested in serving this body, first, make sure that you're already a member, because that's a requirement, and then speak with Jason or one of the other current elders about being nominated. Jason is leading our nomination committee this year. Once again, I want to reiterate that members, deacons, and elders are not promotions. They're not a measure of how advanced you are in your spirituality. They are particular roles that have to be filled within the church. And if you're looking for ways to be more involved and feel more like you belong, then these are avenues that are open to you. The last thing that I want to share with you is about the church survey that we did in the fall. There were two questions that I thought were really crucial, why did you come to Elam in the first place and why do you keep coming to Elam? There were all kinds of answers to why people came to Elam in the first place. But to that second question, there were three answers that really kept coming up. The third most common answer that we got was, I like the preaching. And that's certainly gratifying for me and the rest of the leaders in this church to hear, but it wasn't what came up most often and not by a long shot. The second most common answer was, we are involved, or that in some way we had bought into the vision. It was mission-focused. It was something to do with the belief in what's going on here and of wanting to be part of making it happen. Awesome. This is a great reason to be part of a church. Personally, I think this is the best reason. Better than liking the preaching, just so we're clear. But it also wasn't the most common reason. Can you guess what the most common reason was? Our friends are here. Our friends are here. This is our community. These are our people. It was relationship. And I want to be super clear, this is not a bad reason to be part of a church. I want to be clear on that because for some people, this can come off sounding shallow. Wanting to be in a community where you have relationship is a good thing. Now, I do think it's a problem if the only reason that you're here is because it's where your friends are. If you don't like the preaching, if you don't like the music, if you don't believe in the mission and what's going on here, then I would honestly suggest finding somewhere that you can value those things. But relationships are super important. They matter, and you're not shallow for valuing that. I want to be really clear on this point. But this survey finding suggests something really interesting to me. For those of us who care deeply about the mission of God and the future of this church, This really matters. This finding about relationships being the main thing suggests that the people most responsible for growing this church, most responsible for retaining people when they come and getting them to come back, the people who are most responsible for that are not on this stage. They're not behind the pulpit. They're not behind the piano or the guitar. They're sitting in the pews. It's you. You are the one most responsible, most well-positioned to grow this church. If you are wondering what we can do to grow, we've talked about how this church needs to grow as a long-term solution to some of our issues. If you're concerned about that and you're wondering what we can do, ask yourself, when was the last time that you asked someone to go for lunch, someone you didn't know? When was the last time that you made a new friend at church? when you made yourself emotionally available and vulnerable in a church setting in a way that deepens your relationships. And that's what's amazing to me about this. This is not profound. This is not complex. It sounds too simple to be right. That the way that we can be part of growing God's kingdom, the way that we can be the hands and feet of God on this earth, earth, salt and light and hope, is just to have lunch with someone. Just to remember their name next week, to ask about that thing that they're going through. One of the most profound acts of love that Jesus ever did was washing his disciples' feet. Washing the feet was a daily, if not multiple times daily, act. It wasn't special, but it was humble. Jesus was willing to do the most simple, humble act to show his love for his disciples. And He charged us to do the same. That we should get down in the dirt and expose the dirtiest parts of ourselves and find rescue and purity and redemption together. That is a radical claim. But that is exactly what has been done for us. And that is our charge. If we are to be God's people, if Elam Chapel is to be a beacon in the city and this land, we must love radically. Together, Let us embrace. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to be your people. We want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to be your hands and feet. Help us to live this, Lord. It doesn't come naturally. It's so easy to just talk to the people that we know and let the strangers go by and sit and take in and not change. But Lord, we want to be better. We want to be more. We want to love you. Help us to make something that lasts. Help us to build something that will serve you in the generations to come. We love you, God. We're yours. In your name we pray. Amen.